Hey, Pelicans fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, it has plenty of instructions for new betters, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action in the games. Look, even friends and family, my mom's got into it because she likes the little parlays and checking stuff out for a dollar. And that's the best thing about this offer today. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into 100 that's right. You can pick up any basketball team that's still in the playoffs, any NBA team. Bet a dollar, and if they win, you get $100 to spend on the site. And don't forget, the DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. When you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits, bet on the basketball team of your choice to win the next game. If they do, you'll win $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hey, New Orleans sports fans. This is Dotson back here with Forbes Sports, also covering the rest of the NBA and other topics over at Music, Movies, and Hoops. I'm chilling with the guys at On The Levy Sports. They just started a podcast up trying to get out of school, trying to see what they want to do, and they figured a podcast, they'll talk themselves through it. So I'll let them introduce themselves, and uh, then we're going to talk a little ball. Yeah, guys, what's up? I'm Sean. I'm the host of the On the Levy Sports Podcast. I'm here with my friends uh, Blake and Josh. Give them a shout-out, Blake and Josh. How y'all doing? This is Josh. How y'all doing? This is Blake. All right, well, today's first topic, I really want to talk about Anthony Street Clothes Davis because that dude has been out for a couple of days now with the hamstring injury, missed game five, and uh, I got to say, dude, the Lakers look absolutely lost without him. What do y'all think? Guys, y'all want to give your opinion before I jump on this? Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, they definitely looked lost last night. They needed that. That inside threat and his ability to spread the floor, too. I mean, LeBron was just running all over the place, running into double teams, having trouble scoring, passing. And, uh, you know, that without that, that element of Anthony Davis, it's tough for that, that roster to put, put it together. What, you mean, mean Dennis Schroeder's not enough? <laughs> no, I don't think Dennis Schroeder's the guy. Yeah, I think he needs more hair dye before he's ready to be the guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I just... I don't know if he's channeling his inner Dennis Rodman, but he's he, he's not that good of a rebounder or a shot creator. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, one of our jokes on the podcast here is that in order to win a championship, you kind of need a crazy guy like Dennis Rodman. You know, the Heat had like Birdman and stuff like that. So, uh, dude, I think maybe he could be their guy, but from what we saw last night, that just wasn't the case, man. <laughs> well, even if you go back to the old Pistons, I mean – both both Pistons runs, they had a squad full of those guys. Oh yeah, Lambeer, all those boys. That was that was a rough bunch. This this Lakers team is just not those guys. Yeah, they ain't that tough. That's for sure. 
Oh, I'm even thinking of the newer Pistons with the, uh, you know, Ben Wallace. They took out the Lakers. I mean, that was a whole squad of people, too. Chauncey mm-hmm. Billups. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, Lakers fans are learning what we went through for seven years. And uh, you can tell on Twitter they don't really care for it too much. And I've seen, like, a lot of Lakers fans hoping that Anthony Davis is traded sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, they signed him to a max contract, so, I mean... I don't know, man. He's he's like their guy for the future, apparently. Which I mean, we've known for a long time that wasn't gonna happen. Well, looks like to me he's kind of rubbing off on LeBron because LeBron walked out with seven minutes left last night, pretty much just said screw it. So uh, they don't. Look, I'm hoping the Suns can close it out, of course, but I wouldn't put it past them. You know, the AD return next game and then they they win the next two. I mean, it wouldn't shock me, but I I just hope I hope the Suns can finish the job. Yeah, but it also wouldn't shock anybody if AD tried to come back and then sat out midway through the third quarter. He just decided he couldn't go anymore. Yeah, he gets poked in the eye, and then that's it. His toe starts hurting. Oh, that soft pinky, man, that soft pinky. <laughs> no, but I, I really – Phoenix, I, I hope they can stay – you know, just keep going down this stretch. But Chris Paul, time, those was tend to come out, yeah, so I'm hoping he can stay healthy and they can finish the job. We'll see. Huh? Yeah, I'm here, but I'm just barely picking you up. Uh, you got me? I got most of that. It's just, it's in and out. And, and don't worry, I can edit and delete all of this uh, where it'll just be a straight stream of podcast notes. Uh, if you want to if you want to run that back one more time about Chris Paul uh, getting soft in the playoffs. <laughs> so yeah, I, I hope this uh, this Phoenix team can continue the the run of games they're on right now. And but you know, it, Chris Paul tends to you, you see those injuries come out when it comes clutch time in the playoffs. So I hope he can keep it keep it together and stay stay healthy enough to get through this seven game series. But I also think that this, they won't need him. I also think that this is the first time that Chris Paul has been on a team that's, like, rated correctly, you know. All those L.A. Clipper teams were so overrated in my mind. I mean, they had Harrison Barnes and a couple of guys like that. But the truth is, man, Blake Griffin, he could rebound, and he's just not a threat anymore like he used to be. You know, so, like, I think that with Devin Booker and all these guys that he's got now, I think he's got a real shot to make a little run at this. And, see, I think that's why Phoenix got the worst draw because the Lakers are going to beat them up so much, even even though the Lakers are, you know, just beat up themselves. But Chris Paul it, trying to go through LeBron, AD, sometimes when they play Drummond, it was just going to be too much of a wear and tear on his body. He needed an easy sweep in the first round. Yep, that, it, they got unfortunate with that draw, but I think Devin Booker's still got the – he's got the youth in him and the, the toughness to be able to do it, but he can't do it by himself. Chris has got to be – he's got to be in there to play substantial minutes. So I don't know if he can if he can keep healthy enough, but we'll see. Did he come back last night after he went down? I mean, it was such a blowout. Did they really need to? Yeah, I guess so. But his backup, Cameron Payne, I think his name is, he's playing his way into probably getting a good contract pretty soon here. Uh, Pelicans, I mean, it wouldn't be that bad of a move. He, he can shoot. I think he shoots over 40% from three, which is what we desperately need. So that dude, he's looking to get paid. Oh, yeah. Every, everybody's looking to get paid. 
But uh, who do you think's going to win and actually come out of the West? Who do you guys think's coming out of uh, and the East? Give me y'all's predictions. In the East or the West, real quick. Uh, start uh, with the West. Start with the I'll, West. All right. Well, then in the West, uh, dude, I gotta, I gotta say, I think Phoenix is going to keep running with it. Once they get past the Lakers, they're going to get kind of all that energy. They're going to feel hot, and I think they're just going to go on a run and take it. I mean, hmm. realistically, I just don't see a team in the West that can compete with them other like day in day out other than the Lakers maybe the Clippers if they get hot at the right time but uh, the way they're playing I don't see them getting like that kind of hot to where they can go win a championship or anything like that I think the uh, you know the Portland and Denver series is interesting but Denver losing Jamal Murray that hurts him bad Jokic can't carry him all the way through the playoffs by himself I know that his replacement or Jamal Murray's replacement last night almost dropped 30, I think. But, um, you know, I think whoever comes out of that series is going to run into the, the Phoenix Suns being a real problem if they can if they can close this Lakers series out and uh, get a couple days to get healthy. Uh, then I think the Suns could continue to be a problem in the West. The East is just Brooklyn. I mean, it... Well, I... Go ahead, I take go ahead, this... Man. I tend to disagree. I mean, I, th- I think it's the Jazz still. Uh, I think their shooting, it, it, it can't be matched in a seven-game series. It can't. They have too much, and they have the six-man. Uh, it's just I think it's going to be the Jazz for sure. And then from the East, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past the Bucks to make it out. It's going to be the Nets or the Bucks, whoever whoever ends up winning that series. I, th- I think it's going to end up being the Bucks, man. I want Drew Holiday to win a championship. I don't know why, dude, but I'm rooting for him. Even though he asked out and stuff like that, I just think he's such a great guy that I, he, I, I want him to win desperately. Right, that's a, a sort of a misconception. Uh, Drew didn't ask out. It was a mutual thing where the team come to him and was like, look, it's going to be best for the team and it's best for you. AD asked out. He put in a trade to Matt. Drew, he, he consummate professional. He was ready to show up and come to work again this season, next season. Sure, he knew that he had a better chance of contending, and he was honest about it when asked. But it wasn't like he went and said, hey, I'm, he didn't pull a Julio Jones to segue into that and say, I'm out of here. And, and That wasn't how Drew approached it at all. Yeah, man. I, mean, I, I still think he asked to be traded. I mean, I still think he probably let him know, like, hey, I'd like to go somewhere else. He was probably really nice about it, unlike Anthony Davis, but I still think he asked out, which I don't even, blame him. Even if that, even if like he did went and asked out, he, he played along with the with the story of you know let's let's make this a mutual thing where it's best for both parties and stuff like that. He didn't wear a shirt that said "That's all, folks" and stuff like that, and you know counted the minutes till he was able to leave, like Anthony Davis. Uh, but, you know, I, I always had a respect for him, how he handled the situation. And even more so, how he's been playing at, how he's been playing at Milwaukee. I mean, he's been tearing it up over there right now. Yeah, and not too many players really want to go to Milwaukee. But, that I mean, when they, again, the team and Drew come together and, and said, look, it's probably best for both of us to, to part ways, Milwaukee was on the list just because of Giannis. Uh, that had to be the case. And as soon as Giannis signs, Drew can re-up. If Giannis didn't re-sign, Drew could have, you know, he could have took off too. So he's chasing his ring, and I think he'll get it out of the East this year. 
Oh, so you think the Bucks are going to win the championship? I'll take the Bucks win the championship. Yeah. Okay, that's bold. That's the first sweep. I mean, they were the only sweep, so I, I can't. It's hard to argue with the, the momentum they're carrying into this next round. Yeah, they, it's not like they did it against some scrub, too. I mean, they did it against the Miami Heat team that went to the finals last year. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, it, it's a solid first round for them. I mean, dude, Jimmy Butler, I mean, Drew Holiday made Jimmy Butler look like a child out there. I mean, absolute child. I think there was one game he had, like, like two or three points or something like that, like barely scored. That's what Drew Holiday can do. I mean, that's what you bring him on a team for is to shut down their, their number one guy. And he, he's been – pretty good at that throughout his career the only player who consistently gets the better of drew is mitchell from jazz but other than him he shuts everyone else down so i would be anxious if it's like a bucks jazz finals i think that would be interesting definitely man so let me ask let me ask you this dodson do you think that this milwaukee bucks team is the best defensive team of all time or do you think that at least ranks maybe in like the top five or ten of all time no not, not, not even close. I mean, you got those Pistons teams that were great. You got the, the yeah. Twin Towers of the Spurs. You got, yeah, I, I, I might give them top fifteen, but I don't know if I could even put them top ten if I really started going down the list because there were some great defensive teams that didn't win the championship just because you know, hey, Michael Jordan was was a player. Wilt Chamberlain, those yeah. old Celtics teams that went back and yeah. forth. That yeah, that's a. That's a deep one. I can't put the Bucks there. Now, if they go into the finals and shut somebody down and don't allow more than 100, 105 points per game in in this day and age, that that's like keeping a team to 70 and 80 back in the day. That'll We're give gonna, them, that'll we'll, give we'll see their, their real defensive merit whenever they run into Brooklyn. Yeah. We'll see what kind of real defensive yeah. team they are. Yeah, that's the test. If they want to get in that top 10, top 5 conversation, they have to pass that test. Of, they looked. Uh, they looked absolutely unstoppable last night. It, I mean, everybody on the roster dropping thirty. It's that it doesn't look like they can be beat. At least in the East, we'll see if anybody from the West can do it. But I mean, I don't. I don't really see it to be honest. I want the Bucks to win, but I think that they're the best team in basketball, without a doubt. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets are just too good. I mean, hell, they they forced Danny Ainge into either. Uh, we're, we're still we're recording this on. Uh, June 2nd so as of now he's becoming their player director of player personnel and general manager but he could be retiring by the end of the day for all we know well he just he waited he didn't he had all those assets for years and he just never did anything with them yeah I mean Anthony Davis was a prime target to go to Boston for a long time and I know Rich Paul kind of you know pushed him to LA and it kind of destroyed the market but I mean hell if he would have offered enough the Pelicans wouldn't have cared what Anthony Davis thought and not, out. and not just AD, he could have got other disgruntled people who wanted out at the time. He just would never pull the trigger on it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know why either. They got great young talent. They just, they won't, they won't get that superstar. I guess they're not willing to give up one of those guys for an established superstar. Well, I mean, they got Kyrie, but they just couldn't keep Kyrie. Yeah, right. He's a, he's an anomaly. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, I guess when you surround him with Kevin Durant and James Harden, that's how he stayed in Brooklyn, but we'll see. He keeps disappearing. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, it's easier to stick around longer term if you're only there half the time. But yeah. if you go back to that Celtics trade that never happened, 
uh, which there were plenty of them, but I'm speaking of the AD trade where he went to the Lakers. You can really get a glimpse at how David Griffin uh, goes at trades, both at uh, even how he leveraged the Bucks and, and Drew. But the Celtics offer, you can say David Griffin either the Celtics didn't offer enough draft picks, or they offered matching draft picks, or and he just liked Lonzo and Bi more than he liked Tatum and Brown. If those were on the table, we'll never know what they offered because the offer wasn't accepted. But you have to think Boston just didn't want to give up extra draft picks the way that the Lakers did. I actually worked with uh, AD's bodyguard. I sold cars out in New Orleans East. His name's Garrett Parkman. He was in an accident a few months ago. He had a motorcycle accident. You might have saw it reported on ESPN. But I was, we were working together during that whole AD trade period. Uh, he, he, AD was telling the Celtics behind the scenes that if they traded for him, he wasn't going to resign with them. He wanted to go to L.A. And another thing was they weren't offering um, Jason Tatum. Well, I mean, yeah, there that, you go. If they're not offering enough picks, players, then, then it just fell through. And, yeah, that's the behind-the-scenes stuff that's bound to happen. They're going to let a team know, I'm not resigning with you. Now, do you think that now, Dotson? Do you think that's a good approach by David Griffin, considering we are such a small market team, trying to make sure you know get those get as much draft capital as we can, rather than getting like which one would you rather? Would you rather him this off season go out and get you know a bunch of different draft picks, or try to bring in some uh, veteran player who could help us out? Uh, draft picks aren't going to be any good in a couple years. A kid in high school, literally a junior, senior in high school right now, the Pelicans can't wait for that kid to develop to help Zion Williamson. Eventually, they're going to have to push push their chips into the middle of the table and hope it's enough, and draft picks are those chips. Uh, I, I could, yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, it, okay. but it, again, looking at that trade, looking at all the draft picks, or maybe not getting Tatum, who else were they offering then? Because David Griffin had to leverage at least one team against the Lakers to extract a little bit more out of them. So, if, if I had to guess, they were offering probably Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and draft picks, which isn't bad at all, you know. But it, yeah, but it's, David, still, that's still not as good as a deal as the as the deal the Lakers gave us for sure. I mean, Brandon Ingram alone, I think, is better than. I uh, see. I would take Jay. I would take uh, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's been playing well. He's been playing really well. Yeah, he has. But when you look at the potential that these guys got, and kind of the length that Brandon Ingram brings offensively, Jalen uh, Brown, I think, is younger than Bi. Uh, he he might be, but they're both young prospects. In the grand scheme of things, in the Pelicans organization, the difference between twenty three and twenty four isn't that big a difference. So you know, I, I would take the player that's got more upside. Which I think right now is Brandon Ingram, which is Jalen Brown. Right? In my opinion, in my opinion, it's Jalen <laughs> Brown. But <laughs> well, you know, but those are all hypotheticals. We got, yes. we got. But what? Let me ask you all this. Uh, kind of moving on now that we're talking about people that we can acquire, dude. Damian Lillard went absolutely off last night. He's incredible, dude. He sent he sent them not only to overtime but to double overtime. Uh, he did great clutch threes. I mean, that is just. It, it, you well, can't get better than that. I don't. And see then at the end of the game, Blazers, but at the end of the game, they take it out of his hand and give it to C.J. McCollum, and look what happened. He missed the last shot, which I mean, at that point didn't really matter. But then the stepping out of bounds was just 
atrocious. He Damian Lillard didn't shoot the ball in the last minute and a half of that game. Damian Lillard looked absolutely just dejected after last night's game. He he honestly looked like he was done with Portland. Yeah, I I think I actually started that weeks ago that if Portland crashes out, I've heard whispers they'll blow it up from different other league sources, but I really believe the Pelicans could go after two All-Stars, not just one this offseason, and Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum could be coming back and Lonzo might be heading back to the West Coast. Dotson, over here, we've been we've been dreaming of the C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard scenario for years. And so, I, I mean, if, we, if the Pelicans could figure out a way to make that happen, I mean, I, Zion has no choice but to re-sign at that point. Now the, now, the, now, the real question is, if we do end up getting Damian Lillard, do you think that we continue with the Point Zion experiment, or do you think that we kind of put him back in the role that he was playing in his first season in those 17 games in the bubble? I mean, it really don't. More? It really doesn't matter at that point. It really doesn't. If you have Damian Lillard and Zion, you get two more decent shooters, and people will come. People will come if you have Zion and Damian. Even though it's New Orleans, you will sign some good veteran shooters and stuff like that. At that point, the, the point Zion and whether he plays that or on the block, that only really matters if you don't have top-tier talent next to him. Right, and can you imagine just a DHO with Zion going downhill like he always does, and off of that instead of you have, say, uh, Frank Jackson or Josh Hart or a right. ch- or a checked-out J.J. Redick, you've got a <laughs> Damian Lillard come and take that ball and go around the other. It come, you're not going to be able to stop that. Especially now, if waiting on the backside wing is Brandon Ingram. Well, I mean, I, that's, I would bet that you can't get Damian Lillard unless you give up Brandon Ingram. If he would wants you? out, the math actually adds up. Uh, I, I, it's an article a few weeks back, a few days back, but I, I can show you the work. The math could add up if, if they just decide to blow it up in Portland. Sign and trade, Lonzo goes to Portland, Damian comes this way. And the Pelicans can still go chase, say, one of the tall boys in Indiana or uh, at least somebody that's above the mid-level exception type tier. The money's there. If they want it, the money's there. But do you think Portland would just give Damian Lillard away for Lonzo and some picks? Uh, You're looking at Lonzo. You're probably going to have to part with Jackson Hayes in that instance. Uh, I mean, you could match the salaries a little bit better and send Bledsoe that way, save Lonzo for a different sign-and-trade. That, that's what I'm saying. We could have a completely different backcourt using all the picks and extra. Uh, send them to Keel if you want. It, it won't matter. It, anything they ask for for Dame, you give them because at the end of the day, you'll still have Dame, Zion, Ingram, a few other picks left over, and some mid-level deals like Najee Marshall. You, you can't go wrong with that. I just, what would help speed up this and have it, like, more realistic so much is if we somehow land a top four pick in this draft. Oh, definitely. The top four pick would go go miles towards saving two extra future picks later because they'd want that top four instead of a ten. Right. In the top four of this draft, they all look to be pretty good prospects. So that would garner a lot of weight on the trade market. Hello? You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about is that I, I don't really think that we can get rid, that we can get Dane without getting rid of uh, without getting rid of Brandon Ingram. I just think from a personnel perspective, 
I think that Lonzo Ball is just not enough return for a player like Damian Lillard. Maybe C.J. McCollum. I can see us getting C.J. McCollum for Lillard and some – I mean, not for Lillard, for uh, uh, Lonzo and some picks. But besides that, I mean, we're going to have to offer a significant amount of capital. And plus, Jackson Hayes, I mean, look, if it means getting Damian Lillard, then, you know, send him out the door. But he's a guy that I would absolutely love to keep uh, if the opportunity presents itself. I think that he's going to be – a fantastic piece next to Zion down the road. Oh yeah, yeah I think he's he's you, a four core four players this year is Bi Zion Jackson Hayes and Najee Marshall. Everybody else is on the block. You could send Lonzo and Adams to Portland, and then they could find a third team to ship off Adams to to get even more draft capital. So you think they'll be so Portland? You think they will be going for mainly draft capital? That's why you think we can keep Bi if that were a trade. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I see where it comes from. That does make a lot of sense because even if they do sign Lonzo, it'll be six, seven years before he has any significant chance at making a run at a playoff. So they could have that contract gone or traded or whatever it happens. So, I mean, that does make a lot of sense, actually. So I, that, that would be a priority for me this offseason. Make sure that you make trades as long as you can keep Brandon Ingram and Jackson Hayes. I think those are two pieces that are kind of essential to the Pelicans' future. And then the Pelicans need to uh, – the, the key point for this offseason is the Pelicans should make every – should make Portland and any other team that has high-caliber talent that's going to be on the block, they should make them tell them no directly to their face and say it's not happening. We can't be passive and just hope that it'll fall into our lap. That's just not how – I mean, that's how we got Zion and AD, and it just didn't it, – it, it isn't working, so – well, I mean, you could go down the list. We could do it for this podcast on exactly who's going to be available. You know the teams that are in the lottery and, and that need to still, still be in the middle of a rebuild will get rid of their stars. If they have one, because some of them don't, that's why they're in the lottery. Then you got Washington with Beal and Russ. You got Portland if they blow it up with CJ, Dame, and the rest of that cast that went to the Western Conference Finals, but that was two, three years ago. You got Miami, who's probably going to try and blow it up with Duncan Robinson and then Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy Butler's going to want $50 million at age 37, so I think he's already off off the table as far as an option for the Pelicans. But maybe Minnesota, and that's then Indiana, and that's your list. You make a list of those players who you think's most valuable, and you make, again, like you just said, you make them tell you no. Yep. What do you think is going to happen in Boston if they, if they can't get – well, obviously they're not going to get anywhere this year. But um, yeah, do you think they blow it up or something happens with those those guys, or are they they there for another year? Tatum, I think. I think if they trade anyone, it'll be Brown, and they'll get a large return for him. But they're not going to move Tatum, no way. Yeah, I think they're going to keep it together at least one more year. Give the new coach as much opportunity as Brad Stevens had. I mean, they, th- they thought that was a championship core and, and roster this season in the last couple of seasons. They thought they were right there. So maybe with just a new voice in the room and Brad Stevens still there kind of guiding it along, they're going to give it one more go and then see where they're at. I agree. It's, it's hard to bring in a coach and blow something up completely, so I think they're going to give them a little bit of time. But I do think that down the road, I think all those guys will be available. I mean, even Jason Tatum to an extent, maybe three or four years down the road, uh, if they're not winning. You know, the Celtics could pull somebody big out of free agency tomorrow. They've got that kind of allure. But, 
whatever the Pelicans get, it's got to be through the through trades. We're not gonna we're not gonna attract a free agent until we have that second superstar. Yeah, I agree with that. Duncan Robinson's another guy who I think would fit in perfectly just from a shooting standpoint. Zion getting him open threes that 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 would be much needed for us. And I would actually rather pay someone like Duncan Robinson money. Like if we had a choice to pay Lonzo or Duncan Robinson, like I wouldn't even think twice. Now, what do you think they need to do as far as getting additional big man help for Zion? Do they just ride with trying to keep Jackson Hayes, and if they can build off him, or do they go out and try to find uh, a veteran to to make a big impact? That's where you look at. Do you want to chase Miles Turner, Sabonis? Uh, do you want to make Minnesota tell you no for Carl Anthony Towns? Uh, does what Dallas does Dallas blow it up and does do the Pelicans like Porzingis and think he'll finally get over the injury bug? Yeah, and dude, when are the Cavaliers going to eventually get rid of Kevin Love? That might be a guy that we could uh, sign, uh, you know, trade for at the end of his contract and maybe re-sign for cheap. No, you don't think so? Uh, he's just he's not he's not going to want to play here. I don't think. He's, he just seems like that kind of guy to me. He just seems like a J.J. Redick-type guy. Like, after his stint is over in Cleveland, he's only going to be looking to go to the Nets or the Bucks or the Lakers, someone like that. If he comes here, he's he's not going to try. Yeah, I think he's trying to get to title town, which is all he cares about. Which, you know, Pelicans are in the right position. He might not be in the wrong spot to come to the Pelicans. No, I didn't want to cut in on one of y'all. Uh, yeah, it depends on it, it. depends on what he wants. He could tell the Pelicans he would re-sign for cheap, uh, that he likes what they're building. Uh, I doubt that happens. But I also don't see a contender going for Kevin Love too much until he shows that he can make it through 50 games in a year. I mean, we've been talking 30 minutes. He's aged three days. That's Kevin Love's <laughs> basketball body. That's true. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he can hold up. But the same thing, uh, to, to segue over to the Saints, carry this over uh, to bring it to, to football, looking at Julio Jones, the Saints can fit him in. The money works. But, you know, how old is he going to look when he gets here? Every time you pay for production two years ago, they're only getting a year older. They're never going back to that production. Yeah, and I think that there's more pressing issues that the Saints need to uh need to kind of patch up receiver just isn't one of those things we need to go spend on not to mention if we were going to trade for julio jones we're going to have to trade you know what they're going to ask three times the amount of picks from us they want from anybody else because they're not going to want to trade him within the nfc south but you know there's always that possibility i just you know you never know i mean i disagree on us not needing receivers heavily i mean we i, I think that's one of our biggest needs right now but, uh, yeah, like you said, they're going to demand us. Like, they're not going to give Julio to us as they would give him to other teams. They're going to demand a lot more from us. And uh, I don't, if we can get him at a reasonable price, of course you do it. Because Julio and Michael Thomas would be ridiculous. And like I said, I think we need all the wide receiver help we can get. Do you think he would – would he want to come to New Orleans given our quarterback scenario right now? I mean – Matt Ryan is not he's not Tom Brady, but he's playing. I mean, that's a good that's a good starting quarterback to be playing with for as long as he has. Three years ago, but not not recently. Not since they he's he's fall, fallen off since the Super Bowl. I, I just I think that shook him. 
I still, yeah, yeah, I agree, but he's still, in my opinion, leaps and bounds ahead of Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. I mean, Jameis still, he got 33, uh, 30 touchdowns. Uh, Taysom Hill, we'll never know, but, but. 30 I mean, touchdowns, 33 picks, I think. Hey, look, you got you to throw him to get him, you know. But I, I, I just, I don't know. Every time I think of Matt Ryan, and it's not because I hate Atlanta, but I think in the fourth quarter of that Super Bowl when his coaches started blowing it and they didn't trust him and they did all this, y'all know the opening scene of Top Gun when Viper's going in and he's just shaking at the wheel. That, that's been Matt Ryan for me ever since, and their record showed it. And I don't think they'd ask too much more from the Saints. They'd only ask for an extra, like, third-round pick, fourth-round pick, but only because they know the Saints will be picking later in the first round if we had to give up a first-rounder. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, I mean, if we can get him at a reasonable price, I would definitely do it. Uh, I don't necessarily see it happening. It seems like... I don't know what the Saints are trying to do right now. It's kind of weird. It looks like all they're really focused on is shaving salary cap. Off. Who do they? Who who are those guys that they need to get out the door to clear up that cap space? I mean, in my eyes, we're we're heavy at at D line. We could, I mean, maybe get one of those guys out of there. But and then Pete, I, I've always been a guy that does not like Andrews Pete. So if Andrews <laughs> get out of the city, that would be. I think that would be fantastic. Well, see, I don't think we're that we're 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 top heavy on talent on the D line, but we're not deep. So if one of those guys go down, we're only going to have a three man rotation at that point. Uh, yeah, Pete, you got to think we lost Rankins and uh, was Hendrickson. Hendrickson, yeah. So yeah, those are two. I mean, of we them. just drafted a first rounder to come in and do something too. So you think that they would try to get that guy some playing time too? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be good. But, uh, dude, first-round picks aren't – it's not like basketball where an or like a first-round pick is uh, is guaranteed to succeed in some capacity at least. I, mean, I think the, the, the NFL is the, the first way around. I think you're right. I think a first-round pick needs to play, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be good. That's what I mean. Is that It's much more hit or miss than it is the NBA or any of those other sports. Right, and then you could get rid of. Uh, you said Pete; he's guaranteed no money this year, so that would leave no dead cap hits for next year. Or, uh, nothing. That would be a clean, clean sweep off of the books. But can we can we get him replaced? You also got Latavius Murray, who I, I don't think we need to pay our backup running back millions of dollars when we've got three more making eight hundred grand, but beneath them. Yeah. I mean, how how often do you really want to take Alvin Kamara out the game if we don't have a, a solid, you know, passing game, which is very possible next year? I'm hopeful that Jameis Winston, I think he'll have a solid year. I think his interceptions will go down. He'll be around that 30 touchdowns mark. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if he does struggle, then uh, you're not going to want to take Alvin Kamara out of the game. That's for sure. So, I mean, why, why do we even need to pay Latavius Murray at this point? So, I mean, you think Winston's going to be the quarterback? Do you know that? What's that? How much is Latavius Murray making this season? Uh, I've got it right here. One second. I believe it's three point two million. I mean, that's 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 not bad for a running back at his caliber. And it, you don't want to run Alvin Kamara into the ground. Yeah, three point four. Three point. We're probably going to be running the ball more than usual this year, if I had to guess. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely looking at the way that our roster is structured. I mean, I, we're a running football team. We're very, very deep at offensive line if we keep everybody. Um, I mean, you know, we've got backup on backup on backup for center and guard position and stuff like that with, like, Cesar Ruiz and the guy that they drafted this year, I think in, like, the, I don't know, fifth round or something like that. But, I mean, it, when you look at the roster, we're just built to run the football. We were built to run the football with Drew, and that hasn't changed this season. The only thing that's changed now is that we have uh, Jameis Winston starting, which I'm not fully said. I'm not fully convinced of either. I think that Taysom Hill, he ran the offense great last year for those eight or nine games that he played, uh, and I think that he's still well within the conversation to be the starter. Um, but you know, we'll just have to see to the season do we get there. What do y'all think about that? If if Taysom Hill beats out Jameis Winston, we're in trouble. Well, he did last year. And we won most of the games he played. We went 3-1, and one, and a lot of those games our defense was playing at an elite level. That's right after we got Quan Alexander. Hey, man, we still won the game. That's what matters. If a quarterback wins, I mean, All yeah, right, well, let's, go, let's go trade for Teddy Bridgewater then. Hey, hey dude, I wanted to keep Teddy B when, uh, before, like way before we signed Jameis Winston. I would have loved to have Teddy B back. Uh, you know, whether he's that same quarterback, you know, who knows. Right, and I've heard this from some, some people inside the building, that they're going to give both quarterbacks the opportunity to win the job, but with that comes the opportunity to lose the job. And we'll see who takes it takes it by the reins. I'm hoping this will be the first training camp of I actually got a pass to be out there for, for, for media. And I think Taysom Hill's going to look great in a lot of packages, but he's going to look terrible in some of the more basic things that quarterbacks are, are going to be asked to do, and that's where Winston's going to look more refined, and it's going to be more boom or bust with Hill, and I think the Saints will decide to go with Winston because they'll get, they'll get more consistency. It might be 30 touchdowns and 30 picks. I doubt it'll get that many picks, but they'll get more consistent play, and then they can still use Hill in his gadget role and keep this offense fresh through 17 games instead of 16 and, and give the other teams more tape to look at to try and game plan because they can always swap Hill in for a few plays, bring in Winston. That sort of dynamic, I think, is how it's going to play out. Yeah, we know how Sean Payton loves loves his Taysom Hill, so I'm sure we'll see, we'll get a heavy dose of it even if he's not the starter. Yeah, I mean, dude, he lives to put Taysom Hill in you know, on fourth and one and put uh, – and run quarterback power. I mean, I honestly think that's that's like his favorite thing to do because uh, he, he just there's something about quarterback power, especially in the pros, where it's not runoff and that you can just kind of get an extra blocker in that gap. Um, and Taysom Hill is such an effective runner. I mean, it's, it really is beautiful to watch him run the football. If he had any sort of accuracy on his passing in his passing game, I, mean, I think he'd be Lamar Jackson esque. But he just for some reason he's never been able to put that accuracy into his game even at 32 31 years old uh not to mention you know there's also that element of if you play Jameis winston it, you're able to develop him uh longer than you would Taysom hill i mean i i, I don't think that well, how old is Jameis winston right now i think he's like what 28 29 oh if i had to guess yeah probably around that yeah because he came in the league uh 2014 2015 ish so he's got to be about 28 or 29. So you got a couple more years developing him than you would Taysom Hill, who's, I think, 32 at this point, 33. Uh, so, you know, 
I mean, I don't, I don't think know, either one of them are the long-term answer. Uh, I think pretty soon here, it depends on how we do, you know. If we bomb out this year, we'll probably look to draft someone next year. I would like to try to sign someone in free agency like a better quarterback. That's how I, I would like to go about our future quarterback. But who knows, man? Tate, uh, Jameis Winston might just come out and set the world on fire. You just never know. This this upcoming Saints season, believe it or not, I'm more excited about this season than a few of the past ones because we just have so many unknowns that it's kind of exciting. I agree, man. Drew's been in the program for so long, and I'm definitely going to miss him. But now that he's gone, there's just that new energy kind of around the Saints program where you just got – so many possibilities uh, of things that could happen, so many different directions that the program could go. I mean, who knows, dude? Russell Wilson could ask out of Seattle in the next year or two, and he could end up with the Saints. Because I mean, he, he's, he's come out and uh, voiced his displeasure with them before. And, you know, they kind of settled it, so maybe it's not as serious as it was. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't see him staying there long term, especially with Pete Carroll eventually retiring and stuff like that. I could easily see Russell Wilson in a Saints uniform. That's the dream. That's kind of like the Saints version of Damian Lillard for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's just let's just rob the Northwest, and then uh, <laughs> we'll all win one championships in every sport. That would be nice. <laughs> and see, Russ is getting up there in mileage. A low key, uh, I totally out of the blue. Haven't heard it from anybody, but I'd love to see it. Andrew Luck coming out of retirement. Ooh, they were hitting at that earlier in the season too. They they thought he might come back to Indianapolis, but uh, then they resigned. Then they signed uh, what's his name, Carson Wentz, and uh, they, those rumors kind of died down, dude. But I would love to see him come back, and I think the Saints would be a good fit for him, man. If he ever comes back, he needs an offensive line that's solid and, and you know two or three deep at every position he can't go play for for a team like indianapolis was a couple years ago when he was just getting hit left and right there was nothing he could do i mean if he comes to the saints and we keep our offensive line and we have alvin Kamara and michael thomas i mean that's an attractive situation for him to come back to i haven't heard anything about him since he's retired has he even been around football at all like I don't, I haven't seen him on any of the shows, any of the, you know, anything promotional with the NFL. Like, did he just completely separate from football? I think he, some of that's just to do with his dad had had Oliver was involved with so many other football operations that uh, it. it I, I think that's kind of something to do with it. They didn't want to take the uh, shine off of what one was doing with the other. Okay. Oh, I've never heard that before. That's kind of interesting. So, like, his dad is, is uh, I'm kind of confused. How does his dad kind of fit into that situation? Is he, like, a manager type thing, or is he just kind of like a personal source near near uh, Andrew Luck? No, uh, well, his dad, Oliver, was at West Virginia as, I think, AD, then moved to Stanford, then he went to a front office role, and then he had something to do with the uh, that AAFL and was also trying to help market with NBC the uh, that other spring league, and is now I think even jumped over to uh, Vince McMahon's new XFL or whatever that new itineration is going to be. So I, I know he's been around football; it just hasn't been the NFL. And while his dad was doing promotions and all that other stuff, I I don't think the NFL. I'm sure they would they want to promote 
their players. But Andrew Luck wasn't an actual player for the last couple years, and his family was dabbling with other football ventures. So I just, yeah, I wouldn't read too much into him not being on the NFL Network, giving cliches, you know, for thirty minutes. He he was he, he was doing something else. Yeah, that's always interesting. Always interesting to think about. And there was some reports. Uh, I think Pat McAfee uh, reported that there was somebody close to Andrew Luck uh, that was like texting his wife, and his wife said uh, Andrew's thinking about making a return to football. Uh, that was a couple months ago. Um, but I mean, that would be absolutely incredible if the Saints could get Andrew Luck. I, th- I think that we'd be the perfect fit for him. Uh, we, I mean, you know, the style of offense he ran at Stanford. Uh, it's very similar to what Sean Payton likes to do out of the eye formation. Um, so it, it's definitely a bright concept, but who else do you all think we could get, kind of maybe besides Andrew Luck, maybe somebody who's still in the league? Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Now, that's gonna that's an interesting one. I I, I don't know if Green Bay is going to trade him, though. Because, I mean, it seems like they're just, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to the point where, Maybe they go after someone like Julio and try to pat, you know, put a bandaid over the uh, the wound that's festering over there. But uh, I don't see Aaron Rodgers playing another snap for Green Bay, even though they don't want to trade him. The closer you get to the regular season, I think that's what they're waiting. If they are trading him, that's what they're waiting for. Because the closer you get to the season, the better the offers are going to get. Yeah, yeah no. that's true. I think it would allow most teams the time to kind of clear cap space. Uh, you know, see what happens in free agency, and then maybe they decide after that whether they want to go get an aging quarterback to try to win. Um, but, I mean, honestly, if I was any of those teams, I'd make it a priority to get Aaron Rodgers right away because it's way easier to sign people once you have that quarterback. I mean, the same thing happened with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. You know, you sign Tom Brady, suddenly everybody wants to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who haven't cool. been any good for, you know, 10, 15 years since Gruden was there. NFL free agency is pretty much done. I mean, all the big, big, big players are already signed. So, I mean, that that really doesn't matter too much. It's just the closer you get to the season, maybe a team gets desperate, and it's like, man, we're just an Aaron Rodgers away. Maybe we should just do it. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that that's the case, honestly. I mean, I would, lo- I, I, I would love to get Aaron Rodgers, but, dude, God knows what we would need to give up to get him. I mean, that would be a hefty price to pay if we wanted to get Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. Like, probably multiple years of first-round picks. Probably an, a Pro Bowl player like Michael Thomas or something like that. Yeah, and luckily we have a couple quarterbacks that we could uh, include in that deal. So maybe we could, maybe we could sneak him Jameis, and that yeah. would be an interesting fit. But uh, I don't know, man. I just don't see it happening, to be honest with you. No, no. It's a pipe dream. For sure. All right, but there's not too many other options out there, so. Yeah, yeah. wait and see. We're going to have to see what Jameis does this year, and then. And if Deshaun Watson becomes unradioactive at some point, <laughs> then maybe him, but right now nobody's touching him. No. Yeah, dude, not even close. I mean, any type of allegations uh, in, in, in that nature, I mean, there's just no way that he comes back anytime soon without significant proof that exonerates him. Dude, I wonder, like, how mad Houston is that they didn't trade him when they had the chance. I mean, all all of that came out. He asked out, and then, like, I I think within, like, 
you know, two weeks, all that news came out, which, uh, you know, maybe that was just some, you know, some slighted girlfriend in, in Houston. You never really know, but uh, I don't keep up. I don't keep up with that situation just because it's hard to read. Uh, you know, I, I hope that none of it's true, honestly, because I, I like I like the guy from what he, he he used to be. But if it is true, then he'll never play another snap in the NFL again. Yeah, um, there's just gotta, no way that they'll take that up. You you gotta hope it's not true because you don't want the victims to have actually had to go through that. I would rather someone be making something up and and, and need to get the help they need. Rather, if that was the case, rather than actually go through one of those situations, which none of us would want a sister, daughter, none of that. That yeah. So yeah, Especially when you, when you, mention, you don't want it to happen. Have come out as they have. It sounds like it was a real. He might have been a real piece of work. So it, it's better that someone like that is not in the doing what they were doing before. Right. It's yeah. just one of them things where if you say it, I don't know, if you say you hope it's not true, and then it's because because you like the quarterback. I think that's where a lot of people get in trouble. Uh, not saying it would be here. It just, just that that way of thinking strictly on the sport and that needed a quarterback and an option. It, we hope it's not true because it was a terrible thing to happen to other people. I, I not to leave yeah. it. I just don't want to leave that left unsaid. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, too. I mean, that's just one of those things that you know. I have a sister, and uh, and I also have a girlfriend, stuff like that. And any of that kind of stuff happened. I mean, that would break my heart. So uh, you know, I, I just. You know, whenever whenever situations like this happens, you hope that there's some element of falsehood to it, just so that you know that dynamic never happened. Um, but you know, the, the, the court of public opinion, it, it, everything will come out in time once they do an investigation. We'll just have to wait for that time. But do I mean, if he ever did come back to football and he was exonerated, uh, the, the Saints wouldn't be a terrible fit for him, honestly. Uh, I think that you know the, what we like to do on offense is similar to what he's good at. I think that he's uh, he's a great he, him and Michael Thomas would be an elite quarterback uh, receiver combo in the NFL, um, but you know you just you, you never know until all that kind of stuff gets worked out anyway. Yeah, that's gonna yeah. take a good few good good amount of time through the legal system. Yeah, that's gonna be a minimum of two years, and that's if it's rushed. But uh, I'm sure the NFL will also do their own investigation, which they like to do. Um, so, you know, it, this could be a two- to three-year process. And, and not to mention, even when it does come out, uh, what, you know, one way or the other, is he the same quarterback at that time as he is now? You know, three, four years out of football could mean a lot to a guy like him. So, uh, you know, we'll just have to see whenever we get there. Uh, but, you know, let, let's move on. Let's talk about LSU uh, right now. Let's let's move on to uh, Arik Gilbert moving to going to Georgia. Blake, I know that you are dying to talk about this kid. Um, because, and let me, I'll talk about the situation real quick and fill everybody in on what happened. So, uh, first, he was the number one rated tight end in 2020. Came to LSU, played the season out, didn't like it. Transferred to Florida, um, and he had some academic issues at LSU as well. When he's at Florida, he says he doesn't like it. Transfers back to LSU, uh, goes to summer classes, gets eligible, and now news is coming out that he's transferring to Georgia of all places. Uh, which signed the number two tight end in the class of 2020. Uh, I think his name is Daryl Washington. Uh, maybe it's Darnell Washington, something like that. Um, but that's going to be a tough roster for him to get on. I mean, he must. I don't. Th- I don't personally. I don't think he was welcome back at LSU. Uh, the way that they were treated, the way that they were talking about him, it, it always kind of seemed like he was going to get eligible and leave again. 
but uh, Blake, I, I know you're dying to talk about this kid, so I'm just going to let you go. Well, I'm really not dying to talk about him. I hope I never hear his name ever again. I mean, it's just, it's been emotionally draining with this kid. Just the, your hopes going up and down and up and down. And you did, you knew the whole time, basically, that he wasn't ever really going to come back here. I just don't understand why he signed with us in the first place. Yeah, especially, I mean, especially in a, in a COVID year, I mean, to take that at face value and say, I'm, I'm ready to transfer, there must be some stuff going on in the program um, that uh, that really, that, that new coaches wouldn't solve. Uh, but honestly, I, I just think it's a problem with Eric Gilbert. I, I mean, when you look at everybody else in the team that was mad last year, they seem to have gotten over it, you know, magically. <laughs> now they're all better. And this is just a kid that, you know, when he got to Florida, he was there for like less than a month or something like that. I mean, you know, I, I, I just think that this kid doesn't know what he wants, and he kind of expects to be treated like the Duke basketball players are, where they take, you know, Swahili or something like that, and then someone else writes their paper. Uh, I, I think that that's what he's looking for, and he's, he's going places realizing that that's not the case anymore in college athletics. There's just too many eyes on a program for them to to cheat the way that they had even 10 years ago you oh, know yeah. i mean money money is clearly a factor here like, i mean anyone with a brain knows that what you georgia, georgia lately has been pretty ridiculous recruiting and I, I have no idea why they never win anything they just they just signed a a first team all acc corner from clemson who got dismissed last year so he signed with Eric Gilbert they just transferred him in so I mean it they've got they got to be paying people under the table because the the way that they recruit and still don't manage to win any championships is it's impressive at this point <laughs> the losing's impressive eh? yeah dude I mean that's, that's just like one of those things I mean, they've had a lot of talent go through there especially defensively we look at some of the monsters they've had so also some of the running backs that they've had I mean, they just had so many opportunities to win a championship, and they've just never been able to close the deal. And I, honestly, dude, I think that their biggest mistake was not letting Justin Fields start over Jake Fromm. I love Jake Fromm. Uh, I met him when he came to the Manning Passing Academy. He was a nice guy and all. But I just think Justin Fields was the clear-cut quarterback that year, and it cost him. Uh, it cost him not only that season, but the season, couple seasons after once he transferred. That freshman, I think his freshman year is the only year he played. I think that's the year Georgia made it to the championship against Bama. They would have won it that year easily. Not the next year because LSU was just absolutely ridiculous, but they definitely would have won it. And then who knows, they might have won it last year during the COVID year because I think they played Bama. I think they only lost to Bama by like 14 or 10 points. So, yeah, if you have Justin Fields instead of, I think his name was Bennett, who wasn't who ended up getting benched later in the year, yeah, Georgia just never seemed. They just get this talent and they choke it away. It's it's it's, it's yeah, like Josh said, it's impressive. Man, maybe the first team all choking recruit like recruiting or something like that. Uh, you might want to make a list of people who can't capitalize on paying players because I think that that's what it is right now. Well, that was Clemson until they won a title. It was it was literally called Clemsoning a game. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, they would always blow a big game ever. And I think that was brought up at a press conference the year that Clemson won their first championship and Dabo kind of exploded on the dude who asked the question. 
but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. Eric Gilbert's probably going to transfer again, for, probably. I mean, he just seems like that type of kid. And that's college football now with the whole transfer portal thing. I mean, it's they've changed the, the rule this year to where you have instant eligibility for a one-time transfer. So it's going to happen all over the country. All these guys that came in as these highly touted recruits and they're not getting the playing time they want, they're going to bolt and go somewhere else, and it's going to turn into free agency who can pay them the most. So it's it's sad to see, but it's just the way that the game is kind of turning into. Yeah, and at what point do we just start calling it free agency? I mean, because it's not even a transfer portal anymore. I mean, we might as well just call it what it is. They're all getting paid. You know what I mean? There's no repercussions for transferring. I mean, in a couple of years, we'll have guys that will spend four years with four different teams. You know? I mean, it's getting, college football is getting a little ridiculous at this point. It's like monetize or, or, or go back to what it was uh, because it, it's it's neither right now. You know, the players, the players can't even get paid still off their name. Oh, they're going to get paid the next year. Is in, the, in the process of changing. Yeah, they're getting paid next year. I mean, you've got colleges. I think Oklahoma State's already set up a, a, an actual corporation called OSU Elite to get all of their athletes paid some sort of NIL rights. And it'll be from local car companies to, you know, the bigger players will get national sponsors. They'll get that money. But I think when they get that money, they'll start staying longer. They won't switch four years. I don't actually think that'll be the case. Whereas right now you've got over a 1,000 ladies in the women's transfer portal just for basketball. Yeah. It's just a shame what college football is becoming. And it's... Not only all this paying players and everything like that, I know that's always been a thing, but, I mean, it's just every year it's the same four or five teams who can realistically win the championship. Like, every year you can make a Final Four prediction, and it's always the same. It's Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Clemson. And then maybe during the year LSU will have one of their good years that they have every once in a while, and they'll get in. It's just... Yeah, dude, Oregon or someone like that will put up some type of uh, run or something like that. I mean, it, it's it's getting ridiculous. And I honestly think that uh, adding uh, – because right now the way that it's structured is that players are allowed to receive money based off their name. So they're allowed to do things like endorsements. Um, I think that eventually um, NCAA football video game will come back because of this, stuff like that. So they're not actually getting directly paid by the university. So when you're talking about – you know, media markets, eventually teams like USC and these big media markets are going to blow anyone else out the water. And, you know, the LSUs, they'll always be the LSUs. You know, they'll be okay. Um, but you're going to start seeing uh, perennial these kind of perennial powers get even stronger uh, in the years to come. And, I mean, truth be told, it's going to eventually either they're, they're going to need to separate from the FCS Division One entirely and make just a group of five uh, like I guess I would probably think of what it's called a group of five uh, league, which I think would be the right thing to do. Um, or you're going to see these uh, FCS programs flat out just close their programs off because they can't afford it. Um, it's going to be one of the two, and it's it's just it's curious to think about which one it's going to be. Yeah, once the money gets into the game for real and it doesn't have to go under the table, your smaller programs are just going to have to drop to D3, be local like Louisiana College up in Alexandria, stuff like that. But you're also going to see a lot of these players, again, get more money because uh, look at the sports card boom. 
look at Trevor Lawrence and that that box he put out that went for thousands of dollars for everybody who wanted one. You'll have some of these players able to to you know go in and just make money off their autograph by signing stickers for Panini or Tops, and and that'll just depend on the deal. But they can literally finally make money off of their name. And these these little NFT things and all all this cyber stuff is you know even more money. So you know it's I guess the way that these players are going to be able to make their money is going to be different. So maybe it'll help football because it won't be under the table and it won't be you know conspic- inconspicuous. But it's it's just it's a weird thing to look at when you change the whole idea that college football is built around which is amateurism they're playing for their university because they want to play and because they want to get into the pros and now they're doing it as a, a business model i guess i don't know but we're way to look at it well that, that goes yeah. back to what y'all were saying they've always paid them it was never about amateurism for the top few teams after professional football was created that that was a thing maybe you got to go back to the 1890s and 1910s <laughs> when Army played Navy and you did it because you were literally in the Army and in the Navy. But these schools, that, that that's nothing. I mean, how many of these recruits that, you know, come from nowhere, you see them, you say, like, you know, I remember, what's that Alabama guy's name that posted a picture with the Charger, like, two days after signing? Yeah, every one of them. All of them, exactly. Like they, and for somehow after after they saw with Alabama or any of these big programs, uh, they get this massive car that there's nowhere they could afford and stuff like that. You're just like, all right, guys. Like <laughs> that's what I that's what I respect about Odo Beckham is at least he did it on camera. <laughs> yeah, well, all of them cars are at least in you know in the mama's name to go back to the old Big Thomas song, and it's at least under mama's name because mama just got a new job. I wonder where that job come from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, without a doubt. So, now that we're still kind of on college football, but what, let me ask you this. What are the best college football teams that never won a, a championship? In my mind, the best team that never won a championship is uh, 2005 USC with Reggie Bush and all those guys when they lost to Vince Young. Actually, it might have been 2006. Uh, but one of those, I mean, I mean, that team was probably one of the best teams in history. And then Vince Young just put up probably one of the best performances in a national championship that I've ever seen personally. It is 2011 LSU, and it's not even close. They beat the Sugar Bowl champion, the Rose Bowl champion, the Fiesta Bowl champion, the uh, Orange Bowl champion, and the national champion. Boom. That's it. Argument over. Do we count UCF's championship, or, or, or do we do we not do we disregard that? Oh, I disregard that without a doubt, dude. That, that's not even close to me. That, they might as well be wearing rings that they got from like one of those twenty-five cent machines that you see at Walmart. I mean, it's it's the same to me. <laughs> it makes no sense. I, I mean, I I don't know, dude. I, I I just don't see them deserving it that year. They, they you got to beat Alabama to be a national champion. I think that's like a law. They did beat Alabama. What? We beat Alabama in 2011. No, 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 no. He was talking about the UCF uh, team a couple years ago. Oh. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, the year before they played uh, LSU in the Fiesta Bowl, I believe, is what he's talking about. Right, Dotson? Right, right. They went 13-0. and 0. Uh, you, If you want to just look at undefeated teams that are in the conversation, you also got that, that Tulane team that I believe was Sean King. You got that Hawaii team. 
uh, just looking at mid-majors. You know, they were they were great teams because they went undefeated. They did what they had to do. And then you got mm-hmm. that great Miami Hurricanes team that just didn't quite pull it off. But those were those are like my top five. Yeah, yeah, dude. The year that uh, Boise uh, pulled off the hook and ladder in the Fiesta Bowl, I'm pretty sure that they were undefeated that season. I would have loved for them to be in the college football playoffs, kind of like we have now, uh, and just let them see them see them get that opportunity at least. Because I think that you know, I don't think they win, but maybe they make a hell of a game out of it, man. I mean, that was one of the coolest plays I've ever seen, and probably one of the best mid-major teams I've ever seen too. Hey, before Utah went to the Pac-12, Urban Meyer took them to that uh, upset, I believe, in the Sugar Bowl. Like, that that team was pretty damn good. Was that with Alex Smith? Yeah. 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 He was a stud. He was a stud. That was a good team. That's actually where they invented uh, the RPO bubble. I don't know if you all knew that. Alex, I think it was Alex Smith when, uh, he, when uh, he was the quarterback there. Uh, saw somebody open when he was just supposed to run it, so he just threw it to the sideline, and all the coaches, including Urban Meyer, were like, write that down, write that down! Like, we're doing that again! <laughs> and since then, it's been a perennial part of college football. Uh, that was in the early 2000s, right? I, I want to say like 2002, 2003, right? I'm not sure on that one. I know that they were good when LSU won their championship against Oklahoma. I'm just not sure if they were. That was, that uh, was 2003. That was 2003. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it must they, that must have been like a 2003, 2002 kind of team. Yeah, uh, but that, that team was fantastic too. In my opinion, it's 2011 LSU. But I also see a lot of people saying that 2019 Ohio State's the best team that ever won. And how can they say that that they're the best team that ever, but not acknowledge the Clemson team that beat them? Yeah, dude, that's just how that's disgusting. People were talking when when Clemson beat them that it was a shame that we didn't get to see the Ohio State, the best team of all time, play this LSU team. And it's like, are you guys delusional? If they were that good <laughs> and Clemson did what they did to them, then what what are we even talking about here? Yeah, what, what would they have done to LSU in the national championship if they could barely? I mean, they, they lost to, to Clemson that year by, by, I believe, like two touchdowns, too. They no, don't no, It was like... I don't know, okay, I don't remember which one you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after, I think it was, what, like 17 nothing. Clemson beat them 29-6 or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know how people can say that that's the best team that never win it while just completely ignoring, well, that Clemson team was better than you. Why aren't they the best team that never win it? Which they're not, but... Just all teenagers on Twitter that put stuff out there, and <laughs> you know, they've seen five years of college football, and they think they know who's best. I just gotta throw my I gotta throw my 2013 Auburn team into the conversation. Oh, I know I know they had some lucky mine. plays. I know they had some lucky plays, but they beat. I mean, they beat Alabama that year, who was very 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 good. Uh, the only team that they really laid an egg against was LSU. And which that was a terrible LSU. We can't, we can't beat LSU at home. That has always been our crutch. So. <laughs> but I know they're not really in there in the discussion, but I just for pride's sake. <laughs> I'll give you that one, Josh. I mean, there's, so many diff- there's so many teams that you could bring up. Um, I'm trying to think of another one right now. Honestly, dude, I think that the Oregon team that lost to Cam Newton uh, should have won it that year. I don't know if they were Possibly the greatest team never to win, but I mean that was just such a fantastic football team that year. 
No, that's a good one, Sean. I'll never think about that one, but that one's good. Now, that Auburn team, take Cam Newton off of it, and they aren't that good. That's why I like 2011 LSU, because we probably had the worst quarterback in college football history, and we're still that good. Quarterbacks, plural. But we can never forget that it's plural. Dude, you know what I realized? We had Zach Mettenberger was on that team. If he would have started that whole year and got, like, all those reps, we would have beat Bama again. We just had no threat of a passing game, even though we had Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and all these people. Man, it still just pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, but we—I don't—I don't think we w- we were supposed to win the first Alabama game, honestly. And I think it was—it was probably one of my favorite games as an LSU fan. Um, but the only reason that we ended up winning that game is because they took Jerry Lee out and they threw the triple option in there at one point, which really threw off Alabama. And we got you know a cut like a field goal or two off of it and stuff like that. Well, that, um, and our defense was a bunch of studs. Okay, it's like, I, in my opinion, it's the greatest defense possibly yes. ever. Yes. I mean, it, the only defense comparable is maybe some of the Miami defenses back yeah. in the day, and then the Alabama defense that they played that year. Well, that yeah. Alabama defense was just built. That was when LSU was their only threat. They just built yeah. that defense to stop that little stupid eye formation that we ran. Yeah, and we were married to, dude. We never got out of it for any reason. No. I have no idea why. Les Miles refused to make any changes to what he knew. And look where he's at today because of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure, man. And uh, not to mention everything that was going on with the program at the time, which, you know, that's. I'm glad we got a new athletic director so we can sort all that kind of stuff out. Um, but his willingness to change was the reason why he originally left LSU. I mean, it, it, it was such a frustrating time to be an LSU fan. I mean, when you look at the amount of talent that oh. the 2012 and 2013 LSU team had on offense, our defenses weren't very good. But the amount of talent that we had on those offenses, uh, it, it was sad to no. see how, how, how little points we put up. Even though, I mean, I think we were still putting up like 28 points a game, but at that time in college football, that's when that air raid mixture is really starting to seep its way in. That RPO game is really starting to seep its way in. And it's starting to become that new college football. And we could have been the bread and butter school for that if he just would have saw the writing on the wall. With, you know, the, talent, with the talent we had, if Nick Saban wouldn't have ever left, we'd probably have 10 championships right now. I don't know about 10, but I think that we would have uh, at least two or three more. He had six or seven at Alabama, and it took him, what, four years to get – he already had LSU up and running. Yeah, it's true, man. He had a lot – he recruited very well. And the thing is, I think one of the reasons why Les Miles wasn't as successful as we wanted him to be is because Nick Saban was such a prolific recruiter in Louisiana. I mean, he just had all the contacts that he needed in Louisiana, and he could pull anybody he wanted out of Louisiana. I mean, he did it with Dylan Moses, who was a top-flight recruit. Maybe he didn't pan out in Alabama, but he was a top-flight recruit. Uh, He did it with a a bunch of offensive linemen and defensive linemen. He did it with Hootie Jones. I mean, you could go on and on and on and on with guys that he has stolen from Louisiana. Avante Smith's the biggest one. Yeah, I mean, if LSU gets any of those guys, uh, it, it starts to kind of tip the scales in our favor. But, you know, it was just never the case, man. Les couldn't recruit a quarterback. And that was partly his fault because of the offense he refused to change. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's what happens when you let your friends uh, work with you. He yeah. just he couldn't tell Cam Cameron anything else. But uh, I honestly, Blake, I got to kind of agree with you on that one. I, I do think the 2011 team is the best to never win. I mean, when you look at all the people that we beat, when you look at the talent we had, I'm pretty sure our entire defense played in the NFL or got signed to some professional league at one point or another. And a lot um, of the offense, too. Most yeah. of it. Yeah, and the offense. I mean, our offensive line was elite. I'm pretty sure three or four of those guys got drafted and played a little bit in the league. And that's back when we had Lyle Collins, I'm pretty sure. Well, we had Beckham, Beckham, Landry, Reuben Randall, Spencer Ware. Yeah. Jesus. Kenny Hilliard. Yeah, completely stacked. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that kind of that kind of brings us toward the end of our podcast. Is there any kind of closing thoughts on anything we talked about tonight or any topics you want to bring up before we go? No, the only thing on my mind was going back to what you just said about Les Miles not changing his system and his quarterbacks. That, that's why these players are, are moving along. I don't think it's so much they're all getting paid with leased out cars. It's They're just looking for that opportunity because right now they need that opportunity so they can get paid in the in the pros. And, and that's going to change once, once they can start getting paid for real legally in college. Yeah, dude, and I think that boosters are going to fund money through LSU the second that happens because, I mean, dude, LSU has, I mean, even if you just, even, even if you only count the players uh, that, that could fund, you know, our our players, uh, let, me, oh, let me restart that, I'm going to edit that out. Um, anyway, yeah, dude, like when you bring it back to the players that, that, that are going to end up donating, uh, not even counting the boosters, which are one of the best, some of the best boosters in the country. I mean, we're going to be able to pay pretty much whoever we want uh, whenever the time comes. So I think LSU will survive that. I just think that teams like SCS, uh, that are in the SCS and divisions below, I think that they're going to struggle from not having those money games. Um, but I think that overall it's going to be a good thing for at least the players, which is what college football should be about it should be advancing their careers whether that's going to the nfl or it's going to you know whatever leaves them past football as long as it, it helps grow them as people i think is the important part um all right guys well i think that wraps us up for for this week so uh you know check out who uh, died dotson um check him out on uh, the protect the nest podcast uh, I believe he's also a contributor for Forbes and a couple other websites like that. Dyson, you got anything else that you want to plug? Oh, no, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, y'all check out Protect the Nest on the levy. Throw us all some uh, five-star reviews. It really helps to push us towards the top of the page when you're searching for the Pelicans, Saints, or anything New Orleans, Gulf South Sports. Awesome. All right, guys. Y'all have a good one. Yep. Thank you for coming on, Dotson. Appreciate it. Hey, yeah, thank you. Me. Thank you. Thank you.